The art of positive self-talk is one of the most overlooked opportunities to shift your entire life. In an earlier episode, I discussed how our thoughts and emotions influence our state of being and how our thoughts and feelings truly do determine the quality of our life. So then how do we improve our self-talk to get the results that we're looking for? I'm Marcy Langlois, and you're listening to Living Beyond Limits. Today, we're going to explore where the negative self-talk comes from, but more importantly, learn how to rewrite the script. You might be asking yourself, where does the script originate anyway? And what determines that script? When I went to the Meadows, a drug rehab and trauma recovery center, to do some intense trauma work around my car accident, I was deeply immersed into the teaching of Pia Melody, John Bradshaw, and Peter Levine, all leading pioneers in the trauma recovery field. I learned a tremendous amount of information about how the scripts that run my internal dialogue and how they came to be. What I learned is so fascinating and has brought me a tremendous amount of understanding about why we end up with the stories and scripts that we do. It's largely in part due to the way that our brains function. These teachers discussed how the first seven years we are alive, our brains are functioning in a theta wave. And then I went on to locate an article for you published by Craig Gustafson to the National Library of Medicine on the jump cell culture to consciousness by Dr. Bruce Lipton. And what they discussed was how our brain waves are in a theta state for the first seven years we're alive. So why does this matter? And why am I bringing this up? Not to bore you, I promise, but simply to educate you so that you can understand how this comes to be. So what is the theta state and why is it so important and relevant? Well, theta brain wave frequencies are incredibly slow. They're associated with light sleep, meditation, and hypnosis. And it's important because it is the state that directly accesses the subconscious mind. And the subconscious mind runs 95% of our lives. While your brain waves are in the theta state, you store every thought, emotion, experience, and situation that you encounter in your subconscious mind. So let's take a travel back in time and think back to when you were five years old and what your life might look like on any given day. Let's say you go to school. And the kids tease you. They give you a hard time that day. And then when you get home from school, your parents are fighting. Your mom's made dinner and you sit down at the table and then you spill your milk all over the dinner table. And then your mom yells at you. Well, here's how a five-year-old's brain might process that information. The kids don't like me, so something's wrong with me. My parents are fighting and it must be because of me. And now I have made a mess and my mom is really upset with me. So the final analysis and conclusion that your five-year-old self would arrive at might be something like this. No one likes me and I can't seem to do anything right. Every single one of these events that I just named are all stored in that five-year-old subconscious mind. And they're writing the script for your own inner dialogue. So you multiply out this moment from birth until seven years old. And that's a lot of experiences and situations of going to school being teased, spilling your milk, your parents fighting, etc. Our brains are these incredible instruments that science is just starting to really figure out. They're starting to explore the amazing capacity of the brain. The closest metaphor that I can think of for our brains is a computer. This is the only way I was able to ascertain all the information that I learned at the Meadows and really make sense of it. All of the information that's stored in our subconscious mind is what the computer runs as the script the voice inside your head from birth forward. The script just runs over and over again, unless we are able to intervene and download some new software. 
We're stuck with the script that was originally installed in the first seven years of our lives. And that script influences the outcome of each day based on what we think and how we feel. Are you starting to see how relevant the theta state is here? I don't know about you, but my first seven years of life were incredibly chaotic and trauma-filled. Also, I grew up feeling like nothing I ever did was good enough. In addition to that, the way that I looked and the way that I felt about the way that I looked really was not good. This created a really terrible, self-critical, unkind internal dialogue, which was my script. What messages, spoken or unspoken, did you pick up on while your brain was developing? As you're listening to me, can you identify some scripts that you may have running currently that relate to your early life experiences? So if self-talk determines the quality of our life and you spend your days telling yourself all day long every day that you're a worthless person, you're stupid, you're not good enough, smart enough, skinny enough, pretty enough, or what if you are simply not enough in any category that you could possibly think of? Then the foundation of who you are as a human is really going to be pretty unstable. And if you tell yourself this, every single day, day in and day out, then what do you expect the quality of your life to look like? In addition to that, our body is always listening. It's always listening to everything that we have to say, think, and feel. Ultimately, these old programs of not being enough also impact the body's health and wellness. Take the time to learn how to talk to yourself in a loving way because it affects every aspect of your life. Honestly, I wasn't even aware that I was speaking to myself in a way that was so unkind. I had no idea that I said these mean, nasty things to myself that I would never say to anybody that I loved or cared about, such as I would make a mistake at work and I would say to myself, oh my God, you're so stupid. Look at how stupid you are. The truth was, I wouldn't talk to my good friend or my coworker like that if they made a mistake. So then why? Why was I able or I thought I was able to talk to myself in this way and thought that that was acceptable? Well, it was the script. It was the script that was running in my brain that was installed so long ago, and it was just running on autopilot. So if you go back to the whole metaphor about the computer, then you could say that my motherboard was completely defective. The operating system in my brain was not working correctly. Instead of accessing the situation at hand and knowing, Marcy, you're just a human being and you're at work and you've made a mistake. No, what happens is the brain accesses the subconscious mind And it just starts running all those old tapes from the most critical parts of myself. And what ends up happening is that I beat myself up with my own thoughts and my own words. When we think about this on a much more macro level, the self-critic ends up bleeding into how we perceive the world. So if I'm this critical of myself, then I'm going to be this critical of others. So how do we learn to change this inner dialogue? The first step to changing the inner dialogue is recognizing what script we have running. What's your own personal narrative? Next is starting to understand who we are. Why am I talking to myself like this? Ask myself these questions. Once I started paying attention to what I was saying to myself, I was honestly mortified to hear how I spoke to myself. This is the beginning, though, of coming into relationship with ourselves. And this is such a powerful experience. Most people today live their lives trying to outrun themselves, trying to escape themselves in whatever way they can. Because it's painful to be human and it's painful to have these human experiences. It's incredibly painful to live inside your own mind with someone that tells you all the time that you don't measure up, that you fall short every day of your life, and that you're just not enough. That's an incredibly painful place to be. And then after all that, you have to acknowledge and swallow the big truth that it's yourself that is causing your own pain. In an attempt to avoid the pain, 
We try to find all these different ways and places that we can escape these feelings to escape the pain or our lack of acceptance of ourselves. The only place that I found relief from this was by taking the quest to find out who I am. I had to take the time to dig deep and inquire why is it that I talk to myself this way? What I discovered is that the internal disgust, self-hatred, and shame that were driving the self-deprecating dialogue. Just acknowledging this is a huge step. It doesn't feel good, but it's a huge step in the right direction. It's just the beginning of the process, truly. This takes time to start unfolding all of these things because you have to go all the way back to the beginning. The only way out is through, and you can't go forward without healing the past. What I discovered is that I'm this person who is full of fear that you won't love me. And I'm terrified that you're going to leave me. And so because of all of this, it feels so scary to be who I really am. The notion that you would possibly accept me as I am never even felt like a real possibility because I don't accept myself. So how could you possibly accept me? I implore you to ask yourself, where are you hung up? What are some of the common themes that you see in your own life? Are you fearful, angry, defensive? If so, then what part of yourself are you trying to protect? Identifying these parts is what allowed me to start tuning in to hear what the internal chatter was and what it was saying to me. Holy smokes, it's my own worst critic. It tells me all the time, over and over, things that are simply not true and completely unkind. I would ask myself, what part of me then is being so judgmental currently? And then I'd recognize, oh my gosh, it's the little girl who's in me that was sitting in speech lessons that can't pronounce the word snake because she had trouble making clear S sounds. I had to go through this process of befriending that part of myself. I had to start having compassion for that little girl who spoke different. I had to have compassion for the little girl who had to attend speech lessons while all the other kids were outside playing or getting to do their work in class while I sat in speech lessons and felt stupid. I had to acknowledge that she felt like she wasn't worth anything. And I had to have compassion for all the parts of me that felt like they didn't deserve anything good in life. So what part of yourself is needing your attention and compassion? And how can you show up for those parts of yourself? For me, it was starting a new dialogue, replacing the old script and downloading a new one. The key was starting to gain perspective by starting to let these parts know that they were perfectly imperfect, just as they were. I had to see their pain and feel it. As I was able to do this, then I recognized that I have lived through all of these experiences. And in doing so, I have a tremendous sense of compassion for myself. It's a full circle moment. Can you see, though, on your end that you've lived through all of your experiences and you've made it? You've made it here in spite of all of what you have lived through. Can you feel how huge of an accomplishment this is to still be standing after all of what you have experienced? Can you acknowledge how difficult the things were that you've lived through, but you still made it? Does that evoke a sense of self-compassion? Does that allow you to open your heart for yourself? As I was able to acknowledge all of these things, then I could start to come into relationship with myself. I could slowly accept each part of myself. And the more that I could open my heart to myself, then I could extend love and compassion to myself. And then once I was able to do that and start extending the love and compassion to myself, then the more I was able to start recognizing when I was speaking to myself terribly and recognize how unloving and unkind it was. I would remind myself that I wouldn't say these things to the people that I love. So then I can't say this to myself either. And then I would change what I would say to myself. 
I have this wonderful friend named Paulette who taught me this really beautiful practice of befriending myself. She taught me to say when things would surface that would feel really difficult. Oh, sweetheart, this is so hard for you. I know it is. I feel your pain and your struggle and your shame. Just naming what it is that was causing me to want to speak to myself in all of those kind ways, name the experience, the feeling, or the fear, then that is how I started to move forward. That's such a kinder way to address myself. So much kinder than saying, what the hell is wrong with you? Why can't you get this right? Why don't you know better? You've done this a hundred times before. Feel the softness in your voice as you touch your own heart and you feel your own pain. Feel how that changes the way the body responds to what you're saying. For me, my whole body softens. It's so powerful. Can you feel this? Notice how that has the power to create our reality and how it has the power to shape our thoughts, our next thoughts towards ourselves and then to the people around us. The way that we speak to ourselves is everything. I hope that you're going to take the time this week and examine what programs are in your hard drive and see if your motherboard has some defects that could use your attention. Take the time to walk yourself back to the beginning. Name your stuff with honesty and acknowledge you have made it. See where you can open your heart to yourself and find the sweetheart within yourself. Soften, open, gentle. If you felt like this week's episode was helpful, please sign up to receive all future episodes on my website at marcylangloise.com. Until next week, always be aiming to live beyond limits.